right. Hey, everybody, who's glad to be at church today? Anybody? Anybody? Come on. Let's give God thanks today. Yeah. Hey, I'm so thankful that you're in church. It's the first week of August, and, uh, and I preached so long in the first service that I had them cut the news video and all of the other videos because I am long-winded today, all right? That's what happens when I'm gone for two weeks and I come back. I've got so much to say, all right? But I want, I want to just kind of point the way in some of the things that you would have heard on the video today. Uh, but before I do that, let, let's welcome everybody who's online with us today as well. We're so thankful that you're with us wherever you're watching from. Glad that you're with us today. And one of the things you would have heard on the uh, news video is that this coming Tuesday is our City Hope Leadership Academy startup party. And a lot of you don't even know that we have a, a leadership academy because I haven't done a great job of letting you know that we have a leadership academy. It's actually a two-year ministry training program uh, that is really focused on developing leaders because Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are what? Few, there's just not enough workers. And so there are, I know that there are people in this church that you feel called by God to use your leadership, maybe within the church, but maybe some of you are like, I, I, I don't want to work full-time in a church, but I want to be a leader in the community, a, a marketplace leader, and, and Leadership Academy is, is perfect. I'm just telling you, it's a place for you to develop that leadership, and, and so we're starting our new semester soon. We actually have five graduates who are graduating next weekend from our first two-year ministry training program. Come on, let's give it up for them. Pretty awesome. And so if, you're, if you want more information about that, you can show up Tuesday here at the Cedar Elm campus. But also, uh, it's the first Sunday of the month, which uh, it's a big weekend for us. The first Sunday is a, is a Sunday where I mean, we do so many things here. We call it a, we call it a tithing Sunday because we're giving God the first of our month, the first of our time, the first of our talents and our resources, our treasures. But also, it's, it's big because on the first Sunday of every month, we do baptisms. Come on, we've already baptized four people this morning, got three more coming up in the next service after this, after this service. So it's, it's a way for you to take a next step. If God's worked in your heart, listen, don't, don't, don't wait. Come on, be obedient. Start, do it today. Why, why, why wait? It's today is the perfect day. You can be water baptized. And, and then, of course, on the first Sunday, we always do step one of the growth track, which is a kind of a membership class for us. It lets you know who we are as a church. And you can even go to that class and just to see if it's, if it's something that you think you're, you want to be part of this church. There's no pressure or anything like that, but you might go to that and say, eh, it looks good from the outside, but I don't want to be here. That's fine, whatever. We don't, we're, not, we're, we're not for everybody, right? But we do, know, we do believe this, everybody needs a church, right? And so we just try to tell you in that class who we are, what we believe, who am I accountable to, how do we handle church finances, all of that. And that's right after this service today, step one of the growth track. And then, of course... We got small groups coming up, everybody. We're launching small groups on August the 28th, and this is a great time for some of you to step into leadership, all right? Step into that leadership role and lead a group. You can get more information about that online, but we're kicking off a brand new series today called By My Spirit, and um, the reason every August we do a series that's really focused on getting us close to God, we always couple it with 21 days of prayer. Because what we're trying to do is, we know that we fall into the kind of the summer slump. Anybody else been in that summer slump out there? I've been in it, right? And so we're just trying to call us out of that summer slump and into a place where we're getting close to God again. And, and here's what I believe, that if you'll let God, if you'll open up your heart to him in these 21 days, these next few weeks, I believe God can do something fresh and mighty in your life in this new season. Anybody else believe that with me today? I believe it wholeheartedly. Thank you, all two of you who agree with that. I, it's awesome. I, I do have a lot of content today, but if you help me preach, then I'll get through it a little bit faster, okay? All right? So this series is really a call for us to just kind of step out of that summer slump and into a fresh new walk with God. And our theme verse for this series comes out of the book of Zechariah. Zechariah was an Old Testament prophet. And it's this prophecy, this word of God came to Zechariah, and it was fulfilled in the New Testament. And I don't even have time to give you the full meaning of this prophecy. I'm going to give you the very last part of it today. In Zechariah 4, 6, it says that the word of the Lord came to Zerubbabel, who was rebuilding the temple. And it said this, it's not by might, not by power, but I want you to say these three words with me, but by my spirit. 
Come on. That's something we need, we need to understand. It's not by our own ability. It's not by our own efforts. It's not by what we're able to do in our own strength, but it is by God's spirit. Now, I'm feeling a little preachy today, okay? Normally, I kind of have a teacher kind of thing going on, but you know the difference between teachers and preachers is a teacher tells it and a preacher yells it, okay? So I'm going I'm to be a little preachy, a little yelly today. But, but I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you I'm on fire. I'm just, I'm just shut up in my bones today, all right? And so here's the thing. Here's the thing. The word spirit is so important. In the Old Testament, it's the Hebrew word ruach. You got to kind of add that hawk in there to kind of get it just right. The, the ruach. In the New Testament, it's pneuma. It's where we get the word pneumonia. And in both cases, both of those words, it, it's talking about breath. That's what it's talking about, wind. And here's the thing about breath and wind. The thing about breath and wind is you know when you have it and you know when you don't. Come on, somebody. <laughs> you know when you don't. And you're gasping for it. You're trying to get it. Here, here's, I want you to think about it this way. It doesn't matter if you have a sail on your sailboat if there's no wind. It doesn't matter. But when the wind shows up, it is a propellant. It pushes you forward, and it will take you places in your life you never thought you could go. And I'm telling you, that's what the Holy Spirit is for us. He, he is the wind in our sails. He pushes us forward, and he takes us to places that we've only dreamed about. Amen? Amen. It's by his spirit. And, and, you know, what, the sad part is this, that there's a lot of people in life right now who are trying to do it on your own. You're just in this rowboat of life, and you're doing it by your own power. You're doing it by your own might. You're getting frustrated, and you're, you're trying to do it. You're trying to be good enough. You're trying to be smart enough. You're trying to just do everything in your own ability, and God's looking down saying, it's not by your might or your power. It's by my spirit. I'm the wind in your sails, God says. And so today... Uh, I want, to help us, I want to help us learn a little bit more about the Holy Spirit. I often hear people say about City Hope. Heard it on Wednesday, first Wednesday. A lady says to me, she said, I just love this church. She's been twice. And she said, this church is a breath of fresh air. Some of you have told me that before. And I want you to know that's what we prayed this church would be. Before we ever had our first service, we were praying that this church would be a breath of fresh air, that this would be the kind of church that people, they couldn't wait to come back to, that this would be the kind of church that was enjoyed, not endured. Can I get an amen on that? Come on, when you have to, when, when you leave, you're like, it's over already? Like, like a place where people couldn't wait to get back the next week, a place where if you missed church, you actually missed it. Y'all know what I'm talking about? you like... Man, I miss that. I miss church today. We prayed for that. This is a church. It's a breath of fresh air. But I want to be really clear and let you know that this place is not a breath of fresh air because of our might or because of our power. It's only because of the Spirit of God. That's the only reason this place is a breath of fresh air. And it's by His Spirit. And, and that's, that freaks some people out, quite honestly. Right? And we talk about the Holy Ghost. They go, man, I don't know about that Holy Ghost now. I'm afraid of ghosts. I don't, I don't like them ghosts. But I would, I would just say to you today, the Holy Spirit's not a ghost. He's my friend. Come on. He's, 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 not, he's not just a spirit somewhere. No, he's my friend. He's my best friend. He's my comforter, my counselor. He leads me. He guides me. He teaches me. He corrects me. He helps me. And I'm just here to tell you today that if, if, you'll, if, if you'll just open up your heart to him, you'll learn a lot about the Holy Spirit that you didn't know. And if you'll let me, I want to be a spiritual tour guide for you in this series. And I want to introduce you maybe to the God you never knew. To the Holy Spirit. Because I know some of you came from a background was like, we don't talk about that Holy Ghost. You came from a background where it was, it was like, we, that, that's for the Pentecostals. We, we don't really talk about that, you know. And, and you're missing it. And then, and then some of the Pentecostals were like, man, we, that's all we think about. And you don't really even have the Holy Spirit unless you do certain things. And, and they're missing it sometimes too. Can I get a witness? Yeah. Right? And so... If you'll let me, I want to introduce you to the Holy Spirit, but I want you to know that the Holy Spirit is not goofy, he is not weird, he is not strange, and he will not make you weird, goofy, or strange. 
Somebody's like, praise God. He, 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 now, people are weird, goofy, and strange, but the Holy Spirit is not. I mean, y- y'all know what I'm talking about. He, he, he's not goofy. He makes you powerful. He's not weird. He gives you strength. He's a wind in your sail, everybody. So that's what I want to help us see today is that being spirit-filled, spirit-empowered makes us more like him. It doesn't make us better than anybody else. It's, it just makes us better than us, Right? And I would add to this that he's not just a spirit, he is the Holy Spirit. So if you'll let him work in your life, he will work holiness inside of you. Oh, y'all want want them holiness churches. I guess so. Because we think that God wants to work on us. He wants to make us better than who we are today. He wants to deliver us from things. He wants to set us free from sin. He wants to work on our attitudes, on our actions, on our thoughts. He wants to work on our worries and our fears and anxieties. Come on. He wants to work holiness inside of us. So he's a holy spirit. And if we'll let him, he'll, he'll make us into a brand new person. Amen? Amen? All right. So to understand the work of the Holy Spirit, we have to go first back to Jesus. Okay, let's start with Jesus because he introduced the Holy Spirit to us in the New Testament. He was there in the Old Testament, but he introduces him in a new way in the New Testament. You can go read John 14, 15, 16, where it's, it's in between where Jesus um, was, it was at the Last Supper and the Garden of Gethsemane. And there's three chapters wedged full of teaching on the Holy Spirit right there. And then Jesus, if, if you've been around church, you know the story. That, that sins had to be paid for. In order for Jesus to accomplish his mission, which was to seek and save the lost, sin had to be paid for. And so Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins. But on the third day, he came back to life. He resurrected. He got out the grave. And for 40 days, he, he appeared to people. For 40 days, appearing to people. And do you know what he was doing during that 40 days? He was teaching them about the Holy Spirit. Go go read the stories. Go read the Bible. He was teaching them that you need a power bigger than your own in order to do what I'm calling you to do. And I want to show you a couple of those places in Luke. We see one of those stories in Luke 24 where during the 40 days after he rose from the dead and before he ascended to heaven, he appears to his disciples and and he says, and now I will send you the Holy Spirit. Just as my father promised. So I've, we've already talked about it. It was that time between the, between the Last Supper and the garden. Remember? I told you about him. But notice what Jesus says. He says, I don't want you to go anywhere. I don't want you to do anything. I want you to stay here in the city. In other words, it's not by your might and it's not by your power. You're not going to be able to, to have the Holy Spirit in your life because you were good enough, because you did all the right things. no. Stay here in the city and don't do anything else. Don't try to make it happen. Just wait here until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven, power from on high. So when the Holy Spirit comes, you're going to have power. It's just not going to be your power. Amen? All right. Well, let me show you a different place in Acts, um, Acts chapter um, 3, uh, Acts chapter 1, rather. And so Luke wrote the book of Luke. But he also wrote the book of Acts. So he records different, different occasions. And so he says, on, on this occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave this command and he said, do not leave Jerusalem. Stay here. It's not by your might or your power, but wait for the gift that my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. It's what I told you after the foot washing, after the, after the last supper. You've heard me talk about it. See, because John baptized you with water, and some of you are getting baptized today. Water baptism. It's a next step. Water baptism is a declaration of my faith. It is a repentance. It's saying, I I have received forgiveness of my sins. I'm going public with my faith. But he says, in a few days, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then I want you to watch what happens here. I mean, he's, he's teaching his, his disciples about the Holy Spirit, and they completely change the subject. And they want to know, are we, are we about to overthrow Rome? That's what they're asking. Are you, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus, we, th- we thought we were going to get to brawl a little bit. We thought we were going to get to, uh, you know, 
arm wrestle with some Romans, right? We, we thought we were going to take Rome down. What's going on? And Jesus says, hey, it's, it's not for you to know the times and the dates that the Father has set by his own authority. And I've highlighted know the times and the dates because I, I, I want you to think about this. That Christianity is not how much you know. Your relationship with God is not how much you know, church. Uh, it's, it's not about, yes, it's about knowing God, but it's not about the intellectual part of your life. It's about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So it's not about knowing all of this stuff, because if, if you live your life based on what you know, then you will limit the size of God to your brain. Let's say that again. If you live your life based on what you know, then you will limit God to the size of your brain. So Jesus says, no, it's not, about, it's not about overthrowing Rome, guys. What I want you to know is that you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria. And in fact, you're going to go from Samaria to the Gentile nations of the world. You're going to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what I'm trying to do today is I'm trying to stir up inside of some of you a passion. Stir up inside of you. Inspire you to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit in your life. Okay? Because you're going to need the Holy Spirit for your marriage. You're going to need the Holy Spirit for your kids. You're going to need the Holy Spirit for your attitude. And you're going to need the Holy Spirit when that person cuts you off in traffic, right? And you're tempted to tell them they're number one. You need the Holy Spirit. You need, you need the Holy Spirit. And so what I want to do today is I want to propose to you that one of the greatest ways you can experience the Holy Spirit in your life is through prayer. Through prayer, all right? And, and that's why twice a year from the, from the time we started this church, before we started this church, we have done 21 days of prayer two times a year. This is, in fact, our 5th August to do 21 days of prayer because we started, we started 21 days of prayer in August of 2018 when it was just three or four people meeting in my living room on Trinidad. I mean, that's, that's how we started it. And then in January, right before we had our first service, we did 21 days of prayer and fasting leading up to our first service. And we had about seven to 10 people who would show up and Encounter Church, thank God for Pastor Ken Wolf and Encounter Church on Kemp. They allowed us to use their facility to have prayer services. And thank God that seven to ten people would show up every morning. And, and in the same passage of scripture in Zechariah, it says, don't despise the day of small beginnings. And now tomorrow, I'm expecting there to be about 150 or more people who will show up in the morning at 6 a.m. to seek the heart of God. It's going to be a traffic jam getting in and a traffic jam getting out. And I know some churches that they can't get anybody to show up at 6 a.m., but you'll be here tomorrow in full force. And I'm telling you, it, it does something. It does something. And so while I'm encouraging you, if you've never been part of 21 Days of Prayer, set that alarm. Show up and, and see what a New Testament praying church looks like. See what it looks like to draw closer to God. See what it looks like to, to say no to some things. And, and, and by the way, we'll have coffee for you too, all right? But we're going to have coffee for you, so that's one less thing you have to worry about before you leave the house in the morning, all right? So I'm going to do, do this. I'm going I'm to show you three things I want you to know about spirit-led, spirit-filled prayer, okay? Talking about spirit-filled prayer today, and I want to show you three thoughts. I'm going to fly through the first two, spend some time on the last one, okay? If you're taking notes, jot this down, and that is... That spirit-filled prayer has a priority of prayer. Has a, if, if you're serious about your prayer life, there's a priority to prayer. And what this means is, is, is that you're going you're gonna to put God first, not last. The priority, let me say it this way, priority of prayer uh, means that, that you're, you're going to you're gonna put it on your calendar. Let me say it a different way. A lot of us, our prayer life looks like a 911 call to God. God, I've done everything else I know to do, and I'm just coming before you, Lord. I've done everything else. And no, 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 what we should do is go to God first. Instead, we, we do everything else first, and then we go, you know what? We hadn't prayed about this. 
Daggone, we need, we need to pray. No, let's go to God first. Let's adopt this attitude that we're going to pray first. Everybody say those two words. Pray first. In fact, tomorrow morning, when you show up for 21 days of prayer, we'll have, there'll be resources all over this, the platform. There'll be prayer cards. And we have these, we have these pray first bracelets that, that literally just says pray first on it. And it's a reminder. All of those resources will be free. There's books that we'll give away to you to help you in your prayer life. But this little bracelet's a reminder that before you send that text, pray first. Hey, before you send that email, pray first. Before you respond to the boss, pray first. Before, before you send your kids off to school, pray first. Whatever it is, we're going to go to God before we do anything else. And we see this principle in the New Testament and it says in Acts 1 that they joined together constantly. It was a priority that we're going to God in prayer. We're not gonna, it's not going to be the last thing we do. No, we're going to go first. Again, in Acts 2, it says that they devoted themselves. So a devotion is something you do regularly. It's on your calendar. I'm going to make it a priority. This is something I believe in. I'm going to talk to God. It's what they did. They devoted themselves to what? to church, to the apostles' teaching. That's what that means. They went to the synagogue. They went and heard the, they went and heard the, the sermon. But they also devoted themselves to small groups, to, to the fellowship and the breaking of the bread. That's, that's what small groups are. And they devoted themselves to prayer. And what we need to know, what we need to decide is that prayer is not going to be our last resort. It's going to be our first response. It's the first thing we do. It's the first thing that we do. All right, the second thing about, about spirit-filled prayer is, uh, is there, there's a plan of prayer. Okay, there's a plan of prayer. When, when, you're, when you're growing in your walk with Christ, you see, there's so many notes that y'all have. It's a, it's a booklet today. Come on. I had so many notes. It's a booklet. I love hearing that sound, by the way. <laughs> the plan of prayer, it, this, it means this, that, that like you, you actually plan. It's not just a priority, but it's like there, you, you have a purpose in your prayer. Now, let me say it this way. I, anybody love lists in here? Anybody, any lists lovers? Okay. I, I, I'm a detailed kind of guy. I love details. I love lists. I love lists so much that if I had a list of my favorite things, lists would probably be on that list. <laughs> I love lists. I love, uh, I have on my, on my reminders app on my phone, there's over 350 things. I, I, I'm, I'm constantly putting reminders, lists that I'm putting together. And I love making the list and I love marking stuff off the list, right? <laughs> love that. Feels so good when I can get that whittled down a little bit. Well, I think, there's, I think there's something about God that's the same way, that he has a pattern to certain things, that there's a plan in your prayer life. It's not just throwing some Hail Marys and hoping that, that he catches the, the ball in the end zone, right? It's not that. This is, this is different. This is a, a plan. Let me show it to you. Even Jesus had a plan, all right? The disciples went to Jesus in a certain place when he was praying, and as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Hey, teach us to pray like that. Show us how to do that, just as John taught his disciples. And so Jesus said, this is how we do it. Oh, this, is how, this is how we should pray. And, and it became known as what? The Lord's Prayer. It's the Lord's Prayer. But I don't think Jesus ever intended for it to be like a 15-second prayer that you say before and after your sporting events. Come on, I've been in some locker rooms where the, where the football teams kneeled down and, and they say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation. Believe Jesus. Deliver us from evil, that is the kingdom power and the glory forever. Amen. And I, I'm like, well, hey, maybe God will hear that prayer. And uh, I don't know what it has to do with sports, but it's, it's popular, right? We pray, it's, it's, I guess it's kosher enough to be acceptable to pray. But it's not like he's a genie in the bottle, everybody. We just pray this prayer and then he, he answers all of our, he's going to help us win the game. No. Jesus, I think, meant it to be an outline for prayer. 
He meant it to be a pattern for prayer. And he said this. He said, this is how you should pray. Our Father who is in heaven. In other words, we, God, we don't see you as a cosmic killjoy. You're not some distant God who is hard to get along with. No, you're relational. You're my Father, and I worship your, your name today. I thank you for who you are. You are. You're my Abba Father. You care about me. There's a relationship here. And then he says, hallowed be your name. In other words, you need to begin to worship the name of God. It's not to just say, hallowed be your name. Like, who, who says that? Hallowed be his name. Nobody. Nobody says that. It's a pattern to worship the name of God. So in my prayer time, I'll say things like, God, I thank you that you're my pastor. I thank you that you are my provider. I thank you that you are my peace. You are my, my physician. You are my path to righteousness. You're my personal friend. You're my protection. You give me purpose in this life. You're Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Sidkenu, Jehovah Shama. You're, it's, it's the names of God, and I'm worshiping his name. It's a pattern to pray. And then he says, don't pray for your will. Pray for his will. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. Do you know what his will is? His will is that none should perish. Do you, do you know? So when you pray, when you pray his will, that means you pray what he, what he's, what's on his mind. Do you know what's on his mind? His kids. you know what's on his mind? People who don't have a relationship with him. What's on his mind is people who are far from him. And he's saying, hey, would you pray for my, my lost people? Would you pray for them that their eyes would be opened and that they would come to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? And then, and then say, God, give us our daily bread. And what you do here is you say, God, I'm dependent upon you to meet my needs. I'm dependent that I know that you're my provider. I know that I can't do anything without you, that you are my sustainer and you are my source. Come on, I'm preaching better than y'all. Amen. And then, and then, hey, forgive us our debts. Forgive me for my sins and forgive, for, forgive the people who've hurt me, God. In fact, in one place, Jesus says, your father in heaven won't even forgive you if you haven't forgiven your, your, the people who've hurt you. So, so you got to get your heart right with God and get your heart right with other people. Forgive and God can forgive. And then we move into what we call spiritual warfare, which is not, I mean, it is what it is. And that just means, God, God, don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Well, why is it spiritual warfare? It's because there's an enemy, the devil, who roars around. He, he's roaming the earth like a roaring lion, looking for somebody whom he may devour. He's the enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But we don't, hey, Jesus came to give us life. So we don't have to fight for victory. It's not like we're trying to win the victory. No, the battle is already won, and we're fighting from a place of victory. Yeah. Amen. So this is, this is the plan of prayer, all right? And number three is this, the power, power of prayer. I want to spend some time here on the power of prayer. And I want to show you this story in, in the New Testament. It's a, um, it's a story in Acts chapter 4. Uh, where Peter and John go to the temple, okay? So um, in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit's poured out. 3,000 uh, 3, people are, are saved on that one day. And here we are sometime later. We don't, we don't know the exact number of days, but sometime later, Peter and John, Jesus' disciples, are going to the temple to pray. And as they get close to the temple, there's a gate called Beautiful, the, the Beautiful Gate, it's called as they get close, there's a crippled man, a beggar, sitting by the gate. He's been crippled his entire life for 40 years. And as they get close to the gate, they, the, the beggar calls out to them and he says, Hey, can, can, do you have any alms for the poor? And, and Peter and John respond and they say, Hey, silver and gold have we none, but such as we have... We're going to give to you. In other words, we don't have any money. We don't have anything that we could give you. But what we, we, we don't have any monetary means. But what we do have to give you, we're going to give you. And in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up off of that thing and dance till you feel better. Come on, get up off of that thing. Just try to release the precious say. Remember uh, Sister Act? Y'all remember that? He says, get up and walk. And you know what happened? He did. This lame man who's been sitting there 40 years of his life, never walked a day in his life, gets up, begins to walk. 
People are amazed. They go into the temple. They preach the word of God. They bring the good news to thousand people, give their lives to Jesus Christ that day. It was a revival moment. But, and you would think, man, that's incredible. I bet, the church, I, bet, I bet all the religious people were so happy. Not so fast. Now, because the old religious people were like, well, that's not the way we do it at our church. We don't, we don't act like that around here. The only reason their church is growing like this is because they'll just let anybody come down there. Kind of the point, right? It's, and this is what, this is, so, so the, they're arrested. Peter and John are arrested by the religious leaders. They're interrogated. They're threatened. Don't you ever speak of Jesus again. We don't want to hear another word out of your mouth about this Jesus of Nazareth. They're trying to keep them quiet. And so Peter and John, they go back to their people. And it says this, that, that on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And the people became afraid. And they started going, what are we going to do? Man, this whole thing's about to fall apart. They're going to arrest us all and kill us all. No. It doesn't say that. It, it actually says that when they heard the report, they raised their voices in prayer together. They got serious. They came together and they began calling on the name of God. Yeah. This is what I want you to see today. That I want to give you three thoughts about powerful prayers. And the first one is this. When you pray powerful prayers, those powerful prayers, are un they're unified. Powerful prayers are unified prayers. It's when we get together and we seek the heart of God and we're not grumbling and we're not complaining and we're not, oh, I don't know what we're going to do. No, no, no. We're going to seek the heart and the face of God. And I would say it to us like this today. If you want revival in your home, if you want revival in your marriage, if you want revival in your school system, if you want revival in your, in your family, if you want people to come to know Jesus, if you want to see a miracle and breakthrough in your life, it's going to happen when my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. That's what it takes. That's what it takes is for some people who will say, I don't want it my way. I'm going to sacrifice. I'm not going to do it the way that I want to do it. I'm going to set my alarm at 5 o'clock in the morning. I'm going to show up. I'm not going to settle for the status quo. I'm going to seek the heart of God. And when you do that, church, look, look what happens. Then God will hear from heaven, and he will forgive your sins, and he will heal your land. How many of you know today we need, we need this? We need God to hear us, to forgive us, and to heal us today. We, we need it we need this. Jesus said it this way. He said, if, if just two of you agree on earth about anything, it's done. It'll be done for them by the Father in heaven. He, he goes one more step further and he says, if just two or three of you agree, if you'll gather in my name, I'm going to show up. I'm going to show up in Wichita Falls. I'm going to start breaking the strongholds of addiction in Wichita Falls. If you'll just agree in my name, if you'll, if you'll quit fighting over politics and quit fighting over school board issues, if you'll quit fighting all, over all this other stuff, if you'll just come together and you'll agree in prayer and you'll seek the face and the heart of God, come on, I'm going to show up right there. Revival's going to happen. Second thing, second thing that powerful prayer produces is this. Um, now let me say it this way. We, we need, we need this, this, this prayer. We need this powerful prayer, this unified prayer, because there's never been a spiritual awakening in any country or any locality that did not first begin with uni united prayer. United prayer. That's what we're doing over the next 21 days is united prayer. All right. Let's, uh, let's keep going with this story from Acts chapter 4. Okay, Acts 4. The next thing that happens, remember, they're praying. They, they, they start praying, and they say, Oh, sovereign Lord, maker of heaven and earth. They say, You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Now, why is this important? I'm going I'm to teach you something here. That I want you to notice what they do. They acknowledge the word of God. Do you see this? You spoke by the Holy Spirit 
through the mouth of your servant. They didn't just say, David said. The Bible says. No, no. You said. And right now, in our culture, there's a, there, there's a generation of people who are rejecting Christianity. And they're deconstructing the Bible. And they're saying, you can't trust the Bible because it was written by imperfect men over thousands of years. You just can't trust the Bible. But I want to tell you today, church, it's the most authentic and authoritative and absolute document on the face of the earth. And it wasn't written by fallible, uh, imperfect men. It was written by the Holy Spirit who used imperfect men to hold the pen. Right? Sometimes God, God uses donkeys. I was going to say another word, but there may be, ch- may be children in the room. I don't want to. Spoke through the Holy Spirit. All right, here's, here's the second thing. I want you, this, is, this is so good, so powerful. You need to, need to make a note of this, all right? That... Powerful prayers are scriptural prayers. It's a scriptural prayer. Right? So we're not just, we're not just praying what we feel. We're not just praying what we, what we think. No, we're praying scriptural prayers. There, there are actually, there's actually a scripture for everything that is, is going on in your life. There's a scripture for everything you're dealing with. In fact, scholars say there's somewhere between 4,000 and 8,000 promises in the Bible. There's all of these promises that we have access to, and the only thing that's keeping us from, from those promises is f- for us to know the promises, to claim the promises. Now, I'm not talking name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, believe it, receive it. I'm not talking about that. I'm, what, I'm, what I'm saying is what Paul said, that all God's promises have been fulfilled. It is signed, sealed, and delivered. Signed, sealed, delivered, I'm your. With resounding yes, through Christ, our amen. So in other words, it's already done. The cross of Jesus Christ has the final word. It is finished. And what we have to do is say, yes, I receive that. Yes, I believe it. Yes, God, let it be so in my life. And I think the, the problem for a lot of us is we, we, don't, we don't know the promises because we don't know the word. And if you want to know the promises of God, you have to get in the word of God. And so when we pray, we pray the will of God. When I pray, I don't, and maybe some of you are struggling with this, and I don't mean this to, I'm not trying to call you out, but this is, this is I'm, I am trying to call you out. Okay, let's go. All right? <laughs> Just go ahead and say it. And I'm trying to pull you out. I'm trying to push you forward a little bit. I'm trying to just inspire you to let the Holy Spirit work in you. But some of us, oh, if it just be your will, Lord, for my kids to serve you. If it just be your will. No, 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 no. It is God's will for them to serve you. Lord, your word says in Joshua that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Lord, I thank you that your word says in Proverbs that if I train up a child in the way that they should go, when they are old, they will not depart from it. That's the will of God for your kids. You begin to declare and proclaim the word of God. Oh, God, if it just be your will for you to heal me, I'd appreciate that. I wouldn't want to heal you either. I just, if, if you want to, God. No, no, no. I, I'm, he can do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. By the power of the Spirit that works in us. That's how he does it. Oh, if it be your will to heal me. No, I thank you, God, that your word says in Isaiah 53 that you were wounded for my transgressions. You were bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement that brought me peace in my body to heal every area where I am diseased, it was upon you, and by your stripes I am healed. That's the word of God. Oh, if it be your will to, to, to take care of me financially, Lord, I just would appreciate it. I just, if it be your will. No, your word says in Philippians that my God, who supplies all of my needs, he'll supply them according to his riches in glory. Oh, if it just be your will for the church to survive. There's so many mean people out there persecuting us and whatnot, and it's just hard to stand these days. No, I thank you, God, that your word says, Jesus proclaimed, I will build my church, and the gates of hell won't prevail against my church. We pray that. We, it's scriptural. 
I'm just so afraid. I'm just so afraid. Lord, if it be your will, take this fear from me. No. Psalm says that the Lord is my light. He's my salvation. Whom shall I be afraid? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I fear? Come on. It's scriptural prayers. I'm just trying to stir you up, church. Trying to stir you up. So here's what you need to know is God's will is in his word. You want, to, you want God's promises? Get in his word. You want his will for your life? Get in his word. Pray his word. Pray his will over your life. And then number three, I'm going to get to, I'm going to, get to that in just a second. Let me show it to you in the scripture. The third thing we're going to see here is, is that the, the Lord considered their threats. They said, Lord, consider our threats. These people are trying to hurt us. There's so much evil going on in our society right now. There's so much that's happening in our culture. But Lord, would you enable a couple of your servants somewhere to, to speak your word boldly? No, no, no. It's actually talking about them. Not just some servants somewhere. Enable us. Enable your servants. Lord, we're your servants. Sometimes we're, put, we're putting, the, we're putting the, the onus on somebody else to tell our family about Jesus. We're putting the onus on somebody else to tell a co-worker about the goodness of God. And they said, God, enable us to speak your word with great boldness. On us. Stretch out your hand and heal. Come on, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting God to heal some people in the next 21 days. Lord, stretch out your hand and perform signs and wonders. I don't know about you, but I believe God's still a miracle-working God. I believe that he can still heal and he can still empower. He can still do wonders in the land through the name of your servant, Jesus. And after they prayed... The place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak the Word of God boldly. That's one of the things that happens when the Holy Spirit, when, when you are filled with the Spirit, there's a boldness, and there's a power that comes on you. And here's the third thing I want you to know. When you pray, a Spirit-filled prayer is a, is a bold prayer. It's a bold prayer. I've already probably offended some of you today. I'm sorry. But I want you to know that, that bold prayers are not timid and lackluster. Bold, bold prayer. Can, can I just say, I, I think sometimes our timid prayers that lack faith insult God. Here's why I believe that. I, I, I quoted this scripture a minute ago. It's because he can do exceedingly abundantly above. But how does he do it? According to the Spirit's power. What power? The same power that conquered the grave lives in you and me. It's the Spirit of God that raised Jesus Christ from the earth. And if he can raise Jesus Christ from the dead, come on, I think he can take care of our needs. I think he can meet us right where we are. So it's time to just start believing and praying bold prayers. James says it this way. James 5, 16 says that the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Effective, fervent. That little phrase is, the fra is, is Greek, energeo. It means energy. It's where we get our word energy. And what God is looking for is a group of people who will pray with some energy. They'll pray with some passion. They'll pray with a, with a desire to see God do incredible things. He's looking for a group of people who will be desperate enough to pray with some energy, who will be desperate enough to wake up early in the morning. Why? Because God honors bold prayers because those bold prayers honor him. He's looking for somebody who will pray the hard prayers. Pray the hard prayers. Steve, will you let me have that, uh, my staff. Some of y'all, it's been hard to deal with this morning. We're going <laughs> to. I'm kidding. But uh, in between the Old and the New Testament, uh, there was about 400 years of silence. 400 years where God was silent. No prophets, no, no messengers, no miracles, no scripture was written. 400 years, nothing. And the people are going, where's God? Where's God? It was, it was a crazy time. And just before the, the generation of Jesus came along... Um, it, it was so bad. There was such a severe drought in that season that they thought that they might lose an entire generation of people to famine because the drought was so bad. We're in a drought right now. 
This drought was so bad, they thought they would lose an entire generation of people. But there was one man named Honey. Mark Batterson writes about him in his book, The Circle Maker. And I would encourage you to read that book. It's a powerful book. Honey's not in scripture. He's not in the Bible, but he's in Jewish history. And Jewish history books tell about a time when Honey came out among the people. And he drew a circle in the sand. And he said, I'm not leaving this circle until God shows up. In fact, he prayed this prayer. He said, Lord, Lord of the universe, I swear before your great name that I will not move from this circle until you have shown mercy on your children. And history says that immediately it began to rain. Sprinkles. And the people begin to look up. And they begin to catch the raindrops in their mouth. The children begin to play in the streets. Children, some of them had never even seen rain before. But Honey didn't rejoice. Honey stayed and knelt on the ground. And Honey said, not for such rain have I prayed. But for a rain that will fill cisterns, pits, and caverns. And the history books say that at that moment it became such a torrential downpour that people began to flee for the Temple Mount because they thought it was about to be a flash flood. That the, the size of the rain, the raindrops were the size of eggs. Started destroying rooftops. It was a big day. But not Honey. Honey stayed in the circle. He didn't flee. He stayed in the circle and he said, not for such a rain have I prayed, but for a rain of your favor and your blessing and your graciousness. Honey stayed in that circle. He said, I'm not leaving here until I see this. And immediately, the torrential downpour became a slow, steady rain that filled pits, cisterns, and caverns. What Honey, what, what honey knew was he knew that, that we didn't just, they didn't just need rain. They needed a rain of God's presence in their life. They needed a fresh touch from heaven in their life. They needed an encounter with the Holy Spirit that day. And here's what I'm saying today, church, is that it's time. I think God is looking for some people who will just draw a circle in the sand and who will say, I'm not leaving this circle until you heal my marriage. I'm not leaving this circle until you restore my health. I'm not leaving this circle until my kids come back home. I'm not leaving this circle until you break through my addiction I'm not leaving this circle until you meet me right where I'm at today God's looking for a group of people who will be desperate enough to pray bold prayers bold prayers I want you to stand up on your feet with me today you say Pastor Ben what has gotten into you two weeks off you came back I'll tell you what's gotten into me is I'm just trying to stir us up today. I'm trying to say, hey, 21 days is coming. Let's get up out of this summer slump and let's start drawing some circles around some things. Let's start believing God for miracles. Let's start believing God for signs and wonders. Let's start believing God for our marriage. Let's start believing God for greater things to happen in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray today. Come on, let's pray, church. Let's draw some circles around things in our lives right now. God, we praise you. We worship your name. We thank you that you are the God of more than enough. You are El Shaddai. Lord, we worship you. And Lord, we pray for the marriages of this church. And we thank you that there is unity. And we thank you that there is togetherness. We thank you that you're healing people, God. We curse heart disease. We curse cancer. We curse rheumatoid arthritis. Lord, we declare that you are the God who heals us today. Lord, we declare that you're with our students as they go back to school. That our men and women will rise up. Our young men and women will rise up to be the men and women of God that you call them to be. We thank you for that today. We worship your name. And Lord, we say we need a fresh wind in our hearts, a fresh wind in our lives today. Come on, let's sing it. We need a fresh wind. Come on, declare a presence. A fragrance. Pour your spirit out. Pour your spirit out. Holy anointing. Holy anointing. Of your 
wants to pour out a fresh touch of heaven on every one of us. Come on, let's thank Him for that. Thank you, Jesus. We need a fresh wind today. I want to stir you up, church. I want to stir you up. Would you bow your heads with me today? This, this, what I'm about to say is for every person who is here today, maybe you're far from God. You, you've drifted from God. There was a time where the disciples had gone out on a missionary journey for Jesus and they had preached the gospel. People gave their lives to Christ. And there, were, there were healings. They, they healed the sick. They cast out demons. It was a powerful move of God. And when they came back, they began to tell Jesus about it. They said, look, what, look what's happened. And he said, hey, don't rejoice over those kinds of things. He said, don't rejoice over that. You need to rejoice that your name is written in heaven's book. You need to rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And I would say to us today, church, hey, don't, don't, don't get caught up in how God answers our prayer on this earth. But the greatest miracle of all is the, the miracle that your name is written in heaven's book. And if you're here today and you're far from God, you don't have a relationship with God. Your name is not written in heaven's book. Your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life. I want to give you that opportunity right now to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And if that's you on the count of three, I want you to boldly slip up your hand right now. One, two, three. Come on, all over this place. I'm giving my life to Jesus. My name written in heaven's book. Come on, one, two. Who else would say that's me, Ben? Going all in. Thank you. Three. Who else would say it? I'm going all in today, Pastor Ben. Four. Anybody else? See you. Come on, lift up your hand high, boldly, courageously. Anybody else? I see you in the back. Proud of you. All right. Everybody with all of our heart, let's say this prayer together on behalf for every person who raised their hand today. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. Would you forgive me? Cleanse me. Wash me. Make me new. Write my name in heaven's book you're my lord my savior my hope is in you and from this day forward i will follow you the best that i know how in jesus name amen 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 come on let's give it up today for jesus let's thank jesus